Advent is a period of preparation for Christmas. Since we're in the season of Advent, I thought I would just read you the words of this hymn. Come thou long-expected Jesus. Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. As I said, since this is Advent, I want us to prepare ourselves by hearing a few sermons on the subject of Christmas. Thank you for joining us, and it's always my prayer that you will be blessed by both the Word and the music. Let us now hear from the Word of God, Psalm 80. Would you hear these words? Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors, our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. But let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me please now for a word of prayer. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, which are thy strength and our redeemer. Amen. It happens every year. You can count on it. In the days leading up to Christmas, the question is always the same. What do you want for Christmas this year? In my imagination, I can hear several of the answers. A little child says, I want a cowboy hat or a doll or a computer set. A merchant says, I want some customers for my store. An unemployed person says, I want a job. A person who's ill in the hospital says, I want my health. A world leader says, I want world peace. And the list goes on. But in reality, deep down, I think the psalmist is speaking for all of us. The psalmist says, restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Do we hear what the psalmist is saying? The psalmist says, more than anything else, I want to face. Psalm 80 is a psalm of national lament. We're not exactly sure what the calamity is among the people of Israel, but they're in a very stressful situation. Their neighbors laugh at them. Their enemies scorn them. Far from protecting them from their enemies, God himself seems their enemy. They only at best experience God's absence. So here we have a community longing for salvation. They're actually longing for a new salvation. And so they put it like this. Here again, restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. In other words, give us a face. A little girl who was an only child was blessed with a baby brother. She was a good little girl, and she loved having the brother. Occasionally, she would get jealous. The parents recognized that, and so one day they told her that their little brother, her little brother, was a gift from God. She liked that. 
And so after a while, she began to ask her parents if they would let her stay alone with the baby. Well, they were worried about that because of her tendency to be jealous. And they were worried that the little baby might get hurt. But at any rate, they knew there was an intercom in the room with the baby. And they could certainly tell if anything were going wrong. So they agreed. So the little girl, in a few days, went into the room with the baby alone. She carefully closed the door. She limped up to the crib where the boy, little boy was laying. And she said this, tell me about God. I'm starting to forget. More than ever, here it is again. We want a face. Deep down, everybody longs for a face. This longing or plea is as old as time immemorial, and it's as contemporary as today's newspaper. This 80th Psalm is found in Scripture because it talks about a generational longing that is never obsolete. The community pleads, Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Stating it again, we all want a face. I want you to listen to these words from the poet. Is anybody there, said the traveler, knocking on the moonlight door, and his horse in the silence chomped the grasses of the forest's ferny floor, and a bird flew up out of the turret above the traveler's head, and he smote upon the door again a second time. Is anybody there, he said, but no one descended to the traveler, no head from the leaf-fringed sill, leaned over and looked into his gray eyes, where he stood perplexed and still. Is anybody there? This is the age-long question. Is anybody there? We moderns are not too distant from understanding this longing for a face. But our longing for a face may be a little bit different from what the psalmist is saying when he longs for a face. We long for other faces, especially during Christmas seasons and other holidays. We long for the faces of those who have preceded us to the Father's house. We long for people's faces who are far away. We long for people's faces who have been good and loving and joyful with us. You know the movie Dead Man Walking, which featured Sean Penn and Susan Sarandon, is a story of a, of a Catholic nun who ministers to Matthew, this fellow who's on death row. She even walks to him to the place of execution. And as they're walking along, he says, don't leave me, don't leave me, sister, don't leave me now. So they clutch, and they continue walking together. And then she says, most classic line in the whole movie, she says, I want the last face that you see to be a face of love. I want that the last face that you see on this earth to be a face of love. All of us long for a face. No question about that. But the people in this psalm, they are longing for a different kind of faith. This faith has to do with they feel like God has deserted them and abandoned them. They feel like God is not answering their prayers and that God is treating them bad. So they are in their silence. They are longing for a face. They long for a face. Can you hear it? Their longing for a face is the same longing that all the generations have had for a face. Well, who doesn't? Who doesn't long for a face? Right now, the big discussion in American Christianity is spirituality versus religion. Now, there is a scholar that tells us that this battle is nothing in the world but a deeper longing for the face of God. I want you to listen to what Diana Butler Bass says in her book, Christianity After Religion. 
to speak of spirituality simultaneously signals discontent with the religious institutions and longing for a new and different and deeper connection with God, one's neighbor, and oneself. She says we are passing from a period of wanting to know more about God to wanting to experience God, and that is what's happening in present-day Christianity. Maya Angelou said that when she was in her 20s, she lived the life of, a, of an agnostic. She said she really wasn't. She always believed in God, but God didn't seem to go around the different pathways that she went. So she said she ran into a teacher, a voice teacher, and he called her attention to a book called Lessons in Truth. And since he was her voice teacher, he wanted her to read aloud, starting with a paragraph that ended with God loves you. So she began to read from Lessons of Truth. And she read, and she ended each time with God loves you. She would close the book. The teacher said, read it again. So she would open the book and read it. He said, read it again. So she opened the book and sarcastically read it again. And after the seventh time of repetition, she began to think to herself, maybe, maybe there's a possibility that God does love me, my Angelo. And she said, if God really does love me, it makes a tremendous difference because God in any person is a majority. God in any person is a majority. Yes, we all long for a face. And that is essentially what the season of Advent is about. The season of Advent is a preparation period of four weeks as we get ready for Christmas. God has visited his people in the past, both in grace and judgment. Surely he will do it again in the form of a Messiah. Deep down, all of us long for a face. And then secondly, Christmas is the answer to our longing. Have you ever seen something way off in the distance? Something that you wanted other people to see? Maybe it was an animal somewhere. Maybe it was a landmark on the horizon. But you wanted others to see it. And so the others around you, even though you tried to show it, they simply said, show me, show me. So you went over and you tried to point out where the site was. You used some other landmarks. But they still said, show me, show me. You even pointed to where it was in the distance. But they still said, show me, show me. You even took their face in your hands and you tried to right angle it where they could see it with other landmarks pointing. But they kept saying, show me, show me. Well, that is precisely the situation that God faced with the children of Israel. They kept saying, show me, show me. God tried to tell them what abundant life was about. God tried to point out how they could get involved in his purposes, what their human potential was, how to get along with each other. He did all of that, and he did a very practical thing by way of trying to help them to understand. He led them out of bondage. You remember, he formed a covenant with them. He gave them the law. He sent kings that could help them. He also had prophets to help them. He even predicted the coming of a Messiah. But all the time, they kept saying, show me, show me. So finally, God did show them. God showed them at Christmas. God showed them at Christmas. As one of our great thinkers said, and God walked down the stairs of heaven with a little baby in his arms. God did, in fact, show us. He walked down the stairs with a little baby in his arms. That's what Christmas is about, or that's what Christmas should be about. The writer of Hebrews said, in days of old, God displayed himself, he said, through the prophets. But in these latter days, he's spoken to us through a son. A minister said he went with a group, a tour group, to the Holy Land. He said he would always remember the day they came to the church at Bethlehem. 
it was a marvelous place where Jesus was born. He said it was so inspiring and thrilling. He said as they started walking up toward the church that was built on the place where Jesus was born. There was a man, an 80 from Bethlehem, and he was also there, and he was looking at them as they walked up. Finally, he picked out this minister, and he said, Are you an American? Yes, he said. Are you a Christian? He said. Well, the man walked over to the minister, grabbed his hands, and he simply said, Welcome home. That man from Bethlehem was right about that. That is the birth of Christianity. That is home. That is home. That is where God chose to redeem humankind. He came at Bethlehem. And so we remember years ago there was a story that came up out of this country. It seemed that this young fellow had been caught stealing sheep. He was actually sentenced. But the villagers decided to make an example out of him to be sure nobody else would ever steal any sheep. So they branded ST on his forehead. Well, for all his life, this was an embarrassment to this, this fellow. He finally asked God to forgive him, and he determined to live a new life. He started helping people, and this went on year in and year out. He would help people. Finally, after years of helping and being dependable and compassionate, somebody, a visitor, said to these townspeople, what does the ST stand for on his forehead? Nobody seemed to know. Strangely, nobody seemed to know. But somebody said, I guess it means saint. I guess it means saint. That's what the Christian faith does for people. That's what the Lord of the Christian faith does for people. Changes them from a thief to a saint. What was it John said? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Oh yes, Christmas is the answer. Christmas is the answer. But then thirdly, sometimes we miss God's face. Sometimes we miss God's face. There was a man who said when he was a youth and his father would send him to his room for disobedience, he found a way to, to escape. He would simply go to the window, get on this fruit tree, and go down the tree, and he would escape. He said, a few years later, his father said to he and his brothers, I'm going to cut down the fruit tree because it's not producing any fruit. I'm just going to cut it down. Well, this young man got his brothers, and they went and bought a basket of apples, and under the cover of darkness, they went out to the tree and fastened apples on all the unproductive branches. They couldn't wait to hear what the father was going to say the next morning, his response. When the father saw it, he shouted, Mary, Mary, come quickly. This tree that has not borne any fruit is now bearing fruit. It's apples. And he said, it's a complete miracle because this is a pad tree. Sometimes we miss God's face. It's unbelievable, but it happens. Deep down, we all long for a face. Christmas is the answer to our longing. Sometimes we miss God's face. I'd like to share with you a few reasons why we miss God's face. Sometimes we miss God's face because we don't properly prepare for Christmas. We don't properly prepare for Christmas. I read an old story that happened in Boston, Massachusetts. This very aristocratic, well-to-do family, they had a new baby in the family, so they wanted to have all the relatives and friends over for a party. Well, 30 minutes later, the mother went to get the baby she had left on a big bed asleep. 
But when she got in there, she experienced a tragedy. The guests had simply put their coats on top of the baby unbeknownstly, and they kept adding coat after coat after coat until finally the little baby had suffocated. Such a tragic story. That is essentially the tragedy that happens around Christmas. People just put their emphasis on so many, many other things until finally the real meaning of Christmas is simply suffocated. If you really wanted to know how to prepare for Christmas, the theological word repentance would be a good word to remember. And then a second reason we miss God is because we do not know how to properly wait for Christmas. You know, Christmas is not the fulfillment. Christmas is the fulfillment. Advent is not the fulfillment. Advent is the preparation for the fulfillment. Jesus is about to come. So how do we wait for his coming during the period of Advent? Well, one way we can wait is with a blank stare. A blank stare. Have you ever been to a cattle auction? I have. One time. When I was serving a rural church, my lay leader was a farmer. And he invited me to go to the cattle auction. I'd never been to one before, so I thought it'd be a good idea. So I went. There I sat for three hours with a blank stare. They would parade cattle after cattle after cattle, after cattle after cattle. The bidders would touch their nose, touch their ears, raise their hand, clap, do all sorts of things, and they would be bidding on these cows. Well, as I said, I sat there three hours with a blank stare. I didn't understand the process, and I didn't want to buy a cow. So it was simply a matter of sitting there with a blank stare. On the other hand, there's another way of waiting. For instance, when I go to a soccer game that my grandson is playing in, I usually try to get there early. I get the refreshments before the game starts. I watch them practice, and by the time that game starts, I'm sitting on ready. Well, here are two ways to wait for Christmas during the season of Advent. One is with a blank stare. One is with a joyful anticipation. But let me tell you, how you wait is going to determine how you experience God during the days of Advent Christmas. And then a third reason we sometimes miss the face of God is because we do not intentionally focus on our neighbor. Lord, when did we see you? Jesus said, you saw me at the hungry. You saw me with the thirsty, with those who don't have much, with those who are hurting. Wherever people are ministered to, there you will see me. And then sometimes we miss the face of God because we do not acknowledge our need. God spoke through Jeremiah and he said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Fred Craddock said something we need to remember. He said, grace can only come by nature to a place that's empty. If we're full of ourselves and full of our plans, there's not going to be any room for God. On the other hand, if we are empty, we come before God, seeking God, God will surely find us. He will surely find us. So listen again to the words of the psalmist. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Let us pray. Lord, how thankful we are for this Advent Christmas season and the opportunity we have of being a part of something so much bigger than we are. We are grateful for your coming into the world and for this time of preparation to prepare that you may come to us in a fresh new way. Thank you again for this time together. It's in your name. Amen. Again, I'd like to thank you for watching this program. 
And if you'd like to partner with us, I encourage you to pray for this ministry and if possible to financially support it. We will appreciate it. I hope you have a good evening. Thank you for watching. Share it with your friends. Good night. temptation